If this is going to be video, I'm going to move my ass to the living room where I have a cool background and stuff. It's been a long time coming. The tide is turning. We tired of running. We rising up. It's been a long time coming. They pride is hurting. Shake off that burden and that dirt in. Gentlemen, welcome back to a new season of Raj Nation Innovations Discover Your Inner Awesome Podcast. My name is Rajiv Nathan, aka the Raj Nation. I am your show's host. I am the founder of Raj Nation Innovation. I am also a hip hop artist, a yoga instructor, but above all else, I am a storyteller. I am joined by my new co host, Victoria Cohen, aka VC Money. We'll see if that nickname sticks. Victoria is the voice behind Almonds and Asana. She is a blogger, a yoga instructor, a health and wellness and food enthusiast, but above all else, she does it with action. This is Discover Your Inner Awesome, the only show where you get to eavesdrop on conversations with entrepreneurs, startup founders, artists, and musicians about the stories, the journeys, the struggles, but most importantly, the questions. The questions that help creative thinkers like you and I better understand who we are, what we're doing, and how we can do it better. This is the season seven premiere, premiere, and we are excited to welcome Scott Hardesty, founder of Ranger Nutrition, onto the show. Ranger Nutrition is hands down the best protein shakes and nutritional supplements I have ever tasted. Scott's got a fascinating story for how that came together, but the topic that we talk about for this episode is around planning, or lack thereof. Specifically, we ask the question, how long can you wing it? Before we dive into the episode, I want to let you know, if you are not a member already, head over to www.discoveryourinnerawesome.com and subscribe to our email newsletter. Join our tribe, why don't you? You will get an email every Monday when a new episode releases and therefore never miss another episode of this show. All right, let's dive in now to our conversation and kicking off season seven with Scott Hardesty, founder of Ranger Nutrition. How long can you wing it? Let's listen in. You know, when it comes to business, right? I, you know, you just kind of do what you think needs to be done. You know, like my business grew fast. So basically I would develop a product and then people would want it. And then that was basically all I was doing. I was winging it, right? I was winging the fact that I didn't have processes and plans in place and I had and I had to wing them and develop them as I went along. So I didn't have like a good business plan. Um, I was just doing it. So I was just winging it and trying to figure out what I would do next to make it work. So as this starts to grow, then um, you have customers and everything. Mm-hmm. What's sort of like the you know, as you're like, okay, well, I'll figure it out as I go. I'll figure it out as I go. What's going through your head? And at what point do you, do you start realizing like, wait, this is getting out of control or this is getting beyond my control rather? Well, you know what? It it came more to a point to where, um, when the business kind of stalled, it made it to, see, I think you can only wing it to a certain part in your business to where it's only going to make it so far. It's like, it's like with working out, right? If you're winging your workouts and you don't really, know if you don't really have a plan on how to get from one point to the next you're only going to make it so far and the same thing is with business 
So, you know, the, the business made it to a certain point and then it just kind of stalled because I didn't have a plan in place. I didn't connect with anyone that would help me, help guide me and, you know, get me out of the wing it mode. You just do what you know how to do until that's just not enough anymore. Yeah, that's interesting because I, that I think is the default mindset. And quite honestly, I think to get out of the gate, you have to like, because you can also be paralyzed by over planning and never starting. Or you could just be like, well, I've got something, you know, I've got a product, I've got a blog post or whatever, I'm just going to go. Like Victoria, when you yep. started your blog, exactly. you just, you're just like, just well, here, yeah, let's, let's see <laughs> yeah. what happens, right? And then yep. I think you start to gain a little bit of traction and then you have to start formalizing a little mm-hmm. bit more. Um, but, you know, one of, the, one of the quotes I've always liked, it pertains to business, but I think it pertains really to any, anything, is what gets measured gets improved. Mm. And I think in the mode of just flying by the seat of your pants, you don't really stop to like look at like how is this happening and therefore you're not measuring it. Like in a business context like Scott, what you're facing or what you're, what you're referencing is um, I think what can happen in that case a lot of times is you're not really paying attention. Like, like you see a top line dollar figure coming in mm-hmm. and that can be very misleading actually. You're not necessarily thinking about, okay, how did, how did that dollar come in? Um, is it similar to, to a different dollar that came in? How much of that do I actually keep at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. And how does that help me make the, the right decision tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah, no, you were totally right with that. I have to be honest that, you know, I've been making products for like four years. And Range Nutrition, I only stood up in July of 2016. But for the past four years up until now, I never knew what my profit margins were. Mm. <laughs> just, I mean, I was literally just winging it, man. It's like, this is what I thought I needed to do without any guidance or direction. And that is, you know, I mean, I've had some people go, that that's valiant. You know what I mean? They're like, wow, look at you. You did it. And I'm like, but did I, <laughs> you know, did, did, did I do it or did I just, you know, or did I just, you know, fix a flat tire to get me to someplace else before the car actually gets fixed. Yeah, like like a band-aid kind yeah. of yeah. solution. I think I think kind of when you start anything new, you're winging it, right? Because I mean, even if you do like research beforehand on how do I start a blog and how do you know that's what I'm doing right now, you still don't really know, right? What you don't know about something new. So at the beginning, you're really always winging it, and then I think you suddenly get to this point, and I think it's a different place depending on what you're working on, where suddenly you have this gut feeling of like. Uh oh, I can't, I can't do it like this anymore. I'm like hitting enough roadblocks that I can't like just wiggle my way around to wing my way around, however you want to say it. And that I I need to do something more. And you learn enough in those, in, in, in that first time period of winging it, that you can then sort of come up with some concrete actions or decisions or processes to then actually kind of put you on some more strategic path than just winging it. Oh yeah. That, and that, that totally makes sense because you know, winging it did did get me to a level of success. Right. Right. I mean, it did. You know, winging it, I, I, I winged it long enough to realize that you know this is a product that people want. The company does make money. Um, but then, at the point when I realized that I couldn't wing it anymore is when I see all these other big companies, and I'm wondering to myself, how in the hell did they do that? 
which I is actually this is really interesting. So my my dad's an entrepreneur. I'm probably going to talk about him a million times on yeah. this podcast because yeah. he's the best. But he is <laughs> shout out dad. Um, he is an entrepreneur. He's done a million different things, and he always said as I was going through college, and and I have an older brother, um, and my brother has also sort of ended up going going down a similar path of working for small sort of startups, etc. But he's worked for a couple bigger companies, and I obviously worked for Pepsi. And my dad said. It will be so interesting for you guys to see the inside of a big company and that a lot of times they run just as scrappily in certain areas as these little companies do. And in some areas they don't. But honestly, the parts of PepsiCo that I've worked in, while they were, you know, had 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 a lot of resources behind them, et cetera, they were sort of these these initial startup type parts of the business, like their coconut water business that I worked on. I worked in this demand accelerator that was a new function. And we were winging it. Like I was creating, I was doing all this stuff like in Excel in like very <laughs> scrappy ways that you would think like PepsiCo supply chain is not run in Excel. Sure. I was running it in Excel. Yeah. <laughs> and to an extent, when, uh, even when in a big company, when you start something new, you're kind of winging it because it's out, it was outside of the box of what they knew how to do. And we kind of had to just start from scratch. And then as we started to build it up, then there was the opportunity to throw more resources at it and get it going. But kind of to the point of you wondering, how do these big companies do it? Yeah, yeah, sure. At some point, they have the money and the resources to put something behind it. But at the beginning, they're they're winging it too. Yeah. But I will say, I think there's a difference. It's a good point. But I mm-hmm. think there's a difference between flying by the seat of your pants, winging it, and being scrappy. Yeah, and, and scrappy just means you're resourceful. Yeah, right. You know, mm-hmm. I, I run Raj Nation Innovation out of like out of Google Drive spreadsheets and Google Drive. You know, like like my like prospecting. I don't have Salesforce. I don't. You know, I don't have a CRM system. Mm-hmm. I have a spreadsheet that I manually update for the. And you know, maybe that'll change in the future. But for now, I have to be resourceful about it. Right. I have to mitigate costs. Um, yeah, but that's not winging it. You have a plan. Right, that's what I'm saying, right? And I don't necessarily um, say that in the sense of like, I know in six months I'll be here, in 12 months I'll be there. But I'm, but that's what I'm saying. Like, there's a difference between, difference between being scrappy totally. and, and winging it. And I think um, scrappy is a really good thing to get started. And even when you, as you grow, because as you grow, it can be very easy to spend money in super unnecessary places, mm-hmm. um, especially if you're not tracking where you're spending or, or your profit margins or anything like that. Um, like Scott, um, so for reference, Scott is one of the, and Ranger Nutrition is one of the companies in the Bunker Labs um, military veteran entrepreneurship cohort. And last night there was a presentation on sales. And um, Jim Vasilopoulos, who I've mentioned on this show before, he's the host of the Leadership Podcast. He led the presentation and he was like, if I'm trying to sell you this stool, and this stool costs two hundred dollars, or you know, this stool sells for two hundred dollars, but it takes four hundred dollars worth of my time. Say it's say it takes me forty hours to sell it, and my rate, you know, my mental rate is ten dollars an mm-hmm. hour. If it takes me four hundred dollars to sell it, I've lost two hundred dollars trying to sell you the stool. Yeah. And these are all the things that, that factor into figuring out and starting to formalize a plan. Mm-hmm. Um, which I know with my last business idea, lemon for the longest time. You know, more so my fault than anything else. I thought you could just fly by the seat of your pants. Like I, I actually remember having a conversation with Martin, my business partner, 
and it was it was actually videotaped as well. It's on YouTube if you look it up. If you, I don't remember what you'd search, but if you look it up, it's documented for Idea Lemon. Yeah, it's there because we were doing a little like mini like webisode thing, and I had said, I feel like if we keep doing what we're doing, and I hate that. I, and looking back, I can't believe I said this. I feel like if we keep doing what we're doing. The universe will just take care of us. And he's like, Karma. and he's like, well, not really, because if we hadn't have, if we hadn't have said, you know, a year ago, we wanted to make an online course, I wouldn't have started looking up this person. We wouldn't have found these resources. We wouldn't right. be doing these things now. He's like, we can't just be. And, and I was like, oh, wait, you're the universe. <laughs> like revelation. Excuse me. Um, yeah. But that's the type of mentality. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah, I truly believe that, you know, that you you have to make opportunities, right? Like like opportunities will, will come to you, and but if you don't act on them, then you're just losing it. But if you act on one opportunity, it opens up the door to more opportunities. Right. You know, I didn't know anything about manufacturing when I started this company. That wasn't my thing. I just made products that I wanted to take, right? So... You know, so I had I had to make these opportunities to, you know, I couldn't just go, okay, well, I'm going to make these products. Well, well, how? Right. So, I mean, you know, I did a little research, but I was still winging this whole concept. I had no business plan. I had um, basically I spent all the time in reaction mode, if that makes sense. Yes. You know, you know, what, what, what it was constantly the the sales and the customers and the products actually dictated my next move. It wasn't me actually planning it out in a, in a way that would make sense. I think a lot of people do that. Yeah. Talk more about that kind of the idea of being reactive. Well, okay. So like when I first started making products, um, you know, it was pretty funny because, you know, I, uh, I developed a, a pre-workout that I wanted to take specifically for me. And then I shared it with some friends and they go, oh, my gosh, what's it called? And I'm like, uh, and they're like, how much is it? And I'm like, uh, please hold. <laughs> right. So at that point, I'm what's the most you'll pay for you? <laughs> but then I had to do a little research and figure out what is the average cost for like, you know, a pre-workout. I had to develop a name. I had to I had to visit manufacturing plants to try to figure out who was going to be the best one to develop the product. You know, I had to make decisions. Is it, am I going to do it overseas or am I going to keep it in the U.S.? Well, me being a retired Army Ranger, I knew I was going to keep it in the U.S. because who knows? They have different standards on what they put in products. And if I was going to put my name on it, I had to make sure that, you know, it was top quality stuff. So here I am. I'm, I'm reacting. One thing led to another, led to another. Then people were like, well – um, I got a buddy of mine who's in Louisiana. How can he get the product? Well, okay, crap. Here we go. Let's build a website. You know, now I got to figure out a merchant plan. How are people going to take the money? So it, it was constantly a reaction mode. You know, it's like if I'm going to build a website, then okay, now I need a logo and I need labels and I need brochures. And, you know, and then one product led to another product. Some, you know, uh, as I would look through the products that I didn't, that my company didn't make that I was taking, then I was like, okay, well, let me add this product because I would rather develop one that I would rather take instead of taking somebody else's. Once again, it, it, it was, it was a reactionary, um, uh, movement to a need on what I felt. 
And then, you know, people were like, well, how do I get that product? What's it called? When is your next product coming out? I'm like, holy cow, guys. <laughs> you know, I literally just, you know, I just introduced this one. You know, so it was to me, I felt like it was all it was all reactionary. I mean, when I lived in Indiana, I had a retail store as well because people wanted to come and do it. Well, then what are your hours? You know, well, you know, those changed um, over over the year or two that we had the, the store because the I didn't know when customers were going to come in. So I, I, I get a pattern of when most people would come in and then that's when we changed our store hours to. So I was reacting to the customer. And I, I feel like I've done the whole company's been built in reactionary mode. Well, I love this concept of proact of reactive as opposed to proactive. Go ahead, Victoria. Yeah, no, I'm just all of a sudden kind of swirling in my head. I'm wondering, and I, I don't know your whole backstory, but I know you um, are in the military, and I'm I'm kind of curious because I feel like I would assume that your experience in the military would have been very like following orders and very like proactive as opposed to reactive, but maybe it, there's also this huge element of reactive winging it. I don't know. I'm just wondering like how that, how your experience in the past in that field might have been really different or maybe really similar. Um, actually, well, um, I'm an army ranger. Okay. Right? So we have this thing called field crafting. Okay. And that's, let's say you're out, um, doing a mission and something breaks and you have to immediately react and fix it with whatever you have that's around you. Okay. So we call it field crafting. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a way more political name than what it used to be called back in the day. Right? I'm sure. <laughs> so, and that's what we're going to stick with during this podcast. Perfect. So, um, so, I mean, now we did, you know, being in the military and being in the type of job that I did, did we plan everything out? Heck yeah. We had five paragraph operations orders. We would practice everything over and over again before we actually did it. But when you're actually doing the mission, and something breaks or something goes wrong or one person goes in the wrong direction or or you get compromised, you have to react. Mm-hmm. And rangers are really good at reacting. Interesting. Well, and so there's a couple things out of this. Um, understanding your customer is obviously a really good thing, right? Um, listening to what they say uh, and reacting to their needs, right? That That's not a bad thing. That's part of like the learning process of it all. And there are plenty of companies who think they know what's best and then they fail miserably because they didn't spend any time listening to what people say. But I think with what there's a, there's a caveat to that in that, you know, you want to be in a position where you're proactive with your decision-making. You're not all the time just waiting for things to happen to you. And then, and then, you know, to use the same word, and then reacting. But what I think being proactive enables is by by being proactive in certain areas, it enables you or it it uh, it prepares you for reaction. Mm-hmm. So knowing you have the right you know systems or the right structures in place, it gives you the best chance to react when something goes awry. Yeah, to pull those levers quickly yes. when something exactly. Comes up. So it's almost like it's a it's like reaction by design more or yep. less. Um, right. You know, like as you're talking about, you know, like our, you know, like you opened up the store because people said, well, you might need a store, right? It's it's almost like before making that decision, you know, okay, what is the, what's the real 
cost benefit of doing this? Um, well, go ahead. Well, the, the store opening kind of happened out of a need because people were showing up at all different kinds of night at your house. <laughs> so you're like trying to eat, have dinner. And so I, I, mean, I know it tastes good, and I know you said it's like all all natural ingredients. Like, are you sure you didn't put some crack in this thing if they're showing up and making on your door? <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I can't reveal my formula. But, uh, <laughs> um, but I mean, that's that's what kind of made the store happen. I mean, I wanted to, uh, you know, we needed to set some hours just so we could have some kind of, uh, or, you know, organization, you know, when, you know, and, and I get it, you know, you start a new business and, you know, you're, you're working all the time, but, you know, you don't, when somebody shows up at your house at nine o'clock, you, you know, and you're, you're not prepared to deal with it. You know, that's, that's when we decided to, you know, just turn it into a retail location and, you know, do all the shipping out of the back and all that kind of stuff. And it, and it really worked out. I mean, it did, it turned out well, um, you know, in the beginning. So, but that was, a, that was me reacting to, you know, the, the family life and what I felt needed to happen because customers were showing up at all, you know, constantly contacting you, hitting you with up with texts and, mm. You know, it's like, you're, you know, you're always a, a slave to the customer. And I just had to create some kind of um, organization to it. Was your, so was your reaction to, you know, people coming to your house at uh, odd times of the day and night to get product to, you know, and uh, so your reaction was obviously opening this retail location. Was that, do you feel like looking back on it now that you were sort of winging that or was that like a really thoughtful plan no totally winged it and what i mean by that is my job was to find a a um a location as quickly as possible mm -hmm. um one that i thought would have decent parking <laughs> you know that kind of thing yeah and i mean probably from the time that decided to have a retail store to the time i actually did it probably within 20 days oh my god wow <laughs> to having the doors open and people coming in so I, I would say that there wasn't a whole lot of planning in that. Yeah. You know, now once we got the, you know, once you get the store open and then you're like, Oh, you know, then, then once again, I'm in a reactionary mode on how to make all that work. Right. And right? that's, that's kind of what I was thinking or getting at is like, how, how did that winging it situation work out? Well, I mean, you know, you get there and you realize, Oh, we have no signage. And, Oh, how do I get this information out to people? You know, let people know to quit showing up at the house <laughs> and start showing up to the, you know, to, to the actual retail location when we have no signage up and people can't find us. So then, you know, so then I had to react and get that. And then I'm like, okay, now we need a point of sale system that actually works. And so you you know we had to react to that. And then I'm like, okay, now not only do I have to manage the inventory while shipping. I have to manage it for walk-ins to the store as well. You see, what I mean? and then it was like, then you have to develop a whole shipping strategy, and you know the the goal was constantly oh to always improve the experience. And I think that's with a lot of business owners, they always want to improve the customer's experience. So I was constantly, you know, I would say I was proactive in in designing stuff that I thought people wanted. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about the products. I'm just talking about the systems in place to, you know, make it happen. 
And then, you know, and basically the products I made because I wanted to take them, but I was also, you know, still thinking like, okay, what are the two, you know, like when it comes to protein powder, what are the two biggest sellers? Well, you, you need to have a vanilla and a chocolate. Okay, great. You know, I don't need all these other flavors yet because right now those are the two flavors I like. And, and, and you, you get a lot of people, you know, liking that. So then I'm, I'm proacting, thinking ahead all the whole time while still being in this reactionary mode of trying to upgrade the customer experience. Yeah, and, and some of those decisions make a ton of sense, right? It's not that, um, you know, it's not that every decision is like, oh, I'm just flying, I'm just winging it, or I'm just seeing what happens, and then, and then we'll act from there. But it, it really, it, it's almost like, so like the decision to open a store, what I'm hearing out of this is that decisions are never made in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. And making one decision means like you've opened up like a factorial of 10 of more decisions that have to do with that thing, right? Yeah. So while you may not have, you know, foreseen with the store all the, you know, like signage, marketing, you know, getting the word out to stop coming to your house, uh, hours, all that stuff, uh, point of sale, those are the decisions that open. So it's like when you say yes to one thing there's a whole Pandora's box more that comes with it. It's not just that one ind- individual thing. Right. And, but I didn't plan that out beforehand. You know what I mean? I was just going off the basic need. I need people to quit showing up at weird times. <laughs> but like, I think then the question is too, like, but how much of that can you plan for? And can you know, like, even when you do know so much, there's always going to be more that comes along that you don't know. Like Raj is saying, you know, as, as you open one door, new challenges come along that you can't plan for. Yeah. Right. But I mean, I could have took, now could we take more time planning the location of it? I mean, 20 days is pretty quick to yeah. decide to open a store and then open it. And I, and, and, and I know you have a magnetic personality, but did you put actual magnets on the doors if people were coming in? On day <laughs> no. no, but it was, I mean, luckily it was, you know, at a time when, uh, the demand was, the, the demand was high. So, you know, and it was something new and, and people were excited about it. So, you know, it just kind of, it just kind of, it, it seemed like a smart thing to do, but we also didn't spend a whole lot of time figuring out where this location is going to be. And, you know, is that going to be best for that? Mm-hmm. You know, you sign up for a one year lease, not knowing if having a retail store is actually going to pay for itself. You see what I mean? So, you know, there was no research done in that. Yeah. I was just trying to fill a need. So I was winging it when it came to that part. Now, when I, when I moved up to Chicago, I closed the retail store because I'm a little bit smarter now. And, you know, because the retail store is more expensive than what you think when you first open it. You know, th- things cost money. And so when I came up to Chicago, not knowing the area at all, I just figured it would be better just to keep everything online. Let's pause for a hot minute for this quick PSA. Are you part of the startup community? If so, keep listening. If not, go ahead and hit the skip ahead button because this is not going to apply to you. The Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast is a property of Raj Nation Innovation. What is Raj Nation Innovation? Well, it's simple. I talk to founders and startup teams every day who flat out tell me, hey, we suck at telling our story. I help remove the suck. Combining a unique background of both branding expertise as well as songwriting expertise from my experience as a hip-hop artist, I take a performance lens and mindset to the world of business communication. Using this approach, I partner with growth-focused startups to help them develop their story, 
their go-to-market message, and their pitch so they can raise venture capital and acquire their early customers. Think of me like the Will Smith character Hitch, but for startups. And yes, I will tell you when you're dancing like an idiot. Does this sound like a conversation we should have? If so, head to www.rajnationinnovation.com. That's R-A-J nationinnovation.com. Send me a message through there and let's chat. Back now to the podcast. What this, so, uh, what this starts to remind me of is last week, I actually, I spoke at um, a friend's, a friend of mine who's been a guest on the show actually twice, Levi Bayer. He's a professor at DePaul. He teaches entrepreneurship. He's also the co-founder of Second Shift Co-working Space in Logan Square. So if you live in the Logan Square area and you want a great place to work, go to Second Shift. Um, but he teaches uh, entrepreneurship at DePaul, and I went and talked to his class uh, the other week about um, money and entrepreneurship. And I, the, I basically I talked to him for like 45 minutes about like how you need to think about money as an entrepreneur. Quite honestly, like probably as for anyone, but specifically in entrepreneurship like these are the things that can be easily overlooked that need to stay top of mind and and I started by I had someone in I had someone in the class just I was like who wants to be like my trial entrepreneur and someone gets up and I'm and I'm like okay do you have a dollar bill on you and he says yeah so he takes out his dollar bill I go all right he's an entrepreneur he just made his first dollar everyone give him a round of applause and he's like all right great your first dollar awesome you feel great about it right and then I took 65 cents out of my pocket I gave him the 65 cents and I took his dollar. I said, I'm the government. Actually, <laughs> that dollar is worth 65 cents because the government owns 35% of, whatever, of every dollar that you make. Yep. Uh, and it's like the little things like that, right? And, and so then I started to break down from the, like with my own services. I was like, all right, so, so if I bring in a contract that is, you know, let's say it's $8,000, I was like, really, let's look, at, let's look at how that breaks down. So if the government owns 65%, I think the math was like 5,200 is actually... You know, and for anyone who's listening who doesn't understand what I mean by the government part, meaning you got to pay into Social Security, Medicare, and unemployment um, as a business owner. And these are all things that if you're an employee are just automatically taken out of your paycheck before you, you see it. So I'm like, okay, so if it's $8,000 and I get it for 52, like I'm actually, while I may end up being given $8,000 ultimately, I have to account for the fact that only 5,200 of that is mine. But I also have to factor in what expenses went into getting this money. You know, mm. Let's just say maybe it's another $1,000, hypothetically. I don't know. Maybe it's 1000 bucks. So now I'm down to 4200 bucks. All right. So I'm down to 4200 bucks. And you know what? I'm not getting paid that $8,000 all on day one unless I'm super lucky. And this company is, you know, my client is super flush with cash <laughs> and, and wants to pay it all on day one. So this is going to get paid out over the course of maybe perhaps two, most likely two, but perhaps up to three months. So really, what am I making this month? 4,200 divided by three, which is what, around like you know, 1,500 bucks, you know, less than that, 1,300 bucks. And I was like, and I have not yet even been income taxed for this yet, <laughs> which I'll have to figure out, you know, once next year hits and I have to file my taxes. Mm-hmm. So I was like, so that $8,000 number, while you know, I can feel good about it, I really have to think about what does it mean at the end of the day? And it probably means something you know, along the lines of, in a given month, around 1000 bucks of take-home pay, and then over the course of the actual like, value of it, maybe it's around $3,000, factoring in all those expenses. Mm-hmm. And that's the type of stuff that where I say like, it's important as an entrepreneur – um, it's important for anyone, but you don't necessarily have to think about that in any other field. 
But when you're in entrepreneurship and like, you know, someone gives you a fat check, you're like, oh my God, this is crazy. Well, yeah, it's yeah, crazy it and it's crazy. cool, but it's more crazy for the fact that not all of it is yours at the end of the day. Yeah, it's so nice until reality hits. Right. And another thing too, and it's kind of interesting just thinking back to what you had said earlier, Scott, um, you know, one of the other things I brought up to that class was the difference between good money and bad money. So um, Martin actually a, a few se- a couple seasons ago brought this up and I liked how he framed it. Um, good money informs the next decision you make. Bad money distracts you from it. So when you think about it, like a dollar you bring in, in theory, means you're going to make more dollars that are similar to that. So then you start to think about, okay, who's your customer base? Um, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. If actually I'll give you an example with ideal in my last business and like where, so and some of the mistakes we made. So when we were, we were focused on personal branding, but we didn't focus on who's the audience. It, it consisted of both entrepreneurial types as well as people looking to make, looking to leave their jobs as well as people looking to move up in their jobs, right? Now that's three different messages that we were trying to bake into one message, hence where we ran into a lot of issues. But when you think about the money side of that, if we are so fragmented and we can't pick one audience, it means if I'm going to spend a whole lot of effort to, oh, and, and, and even like some people were just like, Hey, they like us. Cause like I might make friends out of this. Right. So let's say I get someone to, uh, to buy my, my course at that time for the reason of they want to like improve the relationships in their life, right? Which actually was one of their students' reasons for buying. Unless I'm trying to get more people who want to improve their relationships in their life, that's bad money because it's just creating a distraction of trying to fill that need. Because once, once they purchase, you have to deliver on that and it's creating a distraction. It's not getting me more of what I want versus anyone who's in that career changer market at the time, that should have been where the hundred percent of the focus was and to say, or, or, or we should just picked one, right? Whether it was that or entrepreneurs, because we want to get more of that type of money. Um, even to the effect of if you think about, so again, another example right now, a, a, a potential client of mine that I ended up just like not working with, and nothing ever really came out of it, but they were technically a startup, but not like any of the other startups that I'm working with um, in the sense that they were actually like a gym. Okay. And I was initially talking to them about like training their staff on how to give tours. Okay. Um, Have you been a tour guide in the past? No, but I I look at it. Yeah. (laughs) But I look at it in the sense of like, well, you got to be telling a story during this and saying the key customer points to make sure that you can get the highest conversion to membership mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Now, unless I'm trying to get more gyms in my client portfolio, that's a distraction. That's bad money. If that were, if that were to have ever, you know, turned into an opportunity and, and I had said yes or whatever, that would have been bad money because I'm not trying to like, I, I can't really use that example to get more of the clients I want. Right. Because if I'm working with more tech based companies, more SaaS based companies, they're going to look at that and be like, well, we're not giving, tours like what are you talking about what like why why would i care about this and generally the people who you sell to know more people like them mm-hmm. right and this even goes into like the discounting factor too when you think about what are you trying to sell 
if you if you go to someone who's cheap, that person likely knows more people who are cheap. Right. <laughs> right? Like the rich hang out with the rich, the poor hang out with the poor. The very at a very like, you know, brutal level. So if you go to someone who's not cheap and sees high value, they likely know other people who are not cheap and 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 place an emphasis on value. And that's the type of stuff that goes into the decision making, goes into the proactive nature mm-hmm. of things when you think about your 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 profit, or excuse me, you think about your revenue, your expenses, um, all your costs, that kind of stuff. Whereas at the beginning when you're winging it, you're not really taking that kind of strategy necessarily into account. You're like, I'll take whatever I can get. Yeah, and I think there yeah. is, there is a, getting off the ground, there's a degree totally. of take like whatever I can get. like we said at the beginning, get, right? you kind of have to be. get some momentum, but totally. then you, there's got to be a point where you make a decision and be like, is this, this good is money or right. bad money? Is, is this, this worth it? Yeah, because yeah, I mean, at one point, I had barber shops carrying one of my products. Okay. Wow. <laughs> wow. Get a haircut. Yeah. Oh, God. That, that was the thing. I'm like, that, you know, to, that's bad money because that's not the niche that I wanted to pursue. Now, I mean, it, it, it only happened with like a couple of them. And, you know, when I, when I moved up here and branched out Ranger Nutrition, then that kind of just went away. But I understand what you're saying. It's like, I wanted people to come into the store you know, where they could see all the products instead of just one product that was at a barbershop. Does that make sense? Yeah, and this this goes to, we did an episode last season with Todd Connor, the CEO and founder of Bunker Labs, about managing partnerships. And that that's a huge factor of that too, Scott, is knowing, because like, like, when you do something that people find interesting, all of a sudden a lot of people want to get involved with it. They're like, oh yeah, we should team up or something, right? And mm-hmm. there's a lot of wasted time that comes as a result of it because... You can have part like you can have. Oh yeah, it would be great to collaborate conversations all day and mm-hmm. and fill your calendar with them and feel like you've done something productive. When in reality, ninety percent of those conversations are a waste of your time. Yeah. Because unless there's like it, it's it's rare, and you have to like find the situations where it is, but it's rare that where it's mutual benefit on both sides, where it's a symbiotic relationship. Um, like the barber example, right? Like you really had to like strike gold for to make any real profit off of a barbershop carrying like um, unless the barbershop turned into like lift up like do bicep curls while getting your hair cut right and then like well, I mean, it was a, yeah it was a weight loss product but you know what i mean they're like sure. oh, I got fat people that show up i mean they'd probably be interested in this yeah you know and i'm like uh, yeah or you could just send them my way you know it's you know so you know but we did it for a while we tried it you know why because i'm winging it and to me, I was like distribution of distribution, no matter where it's from, but only until you actually develop a plan and figure out where you really want to take your company, then you just realize it doesn't make sense anymore. So what are the, some of the things now that you've kind of changed trajectory on and feel like you're really planning out as opposed to winging it? Um, well, at some point, like, well, I created like 12 different products. Okay, and um, and I never knew, you know, I would just hang out on those products and then it'd sell, but I never knew what the profit margins were on any of these things, right? So until I decided to join the, you know, I got, I was lucky enough to get accepted into this Bunker Labs Epic program, and they put you, I mean, as a business owner, they put it's, you in front for of... For reference for our listeners, it's called Epic in capital letters. It is an Epic program as well, but it's called Epic. <laughs> what is it? It's like entrepreneurial something... 
And I, I don't know, but <laughs> I just know that one word that sounds cool. So yeah. I'm going to go with so, that. So sorry. So go ahead. Yeah. You got so, accepted into Epic. Yeah. So I got accepted to that. And then they put you in front of these amazing people that, that know business that can help you. Right. So one of the things I realized is that I have five products that are less than 1% of, uh, of my overall income. I'm going to drop those five products. Right. Because think about it. If I have to keep putting money into having these products made and they're less than one percent, I could really be taking that money invested in the products that are moving quickly. Right. You know, so by winging it. Yeah, I never knew. Right. You know, I didn't know what my what my uh, uh, profit margins were on products. I couldn't I didn't have a, um, a balance sheet. Heck, I didn't I barely had an accountant. <laughs> right. You know. No business plan, no financial forecast. And, you know, so so just the things that I've learned by actually reaching out to people who are getting in with a program that actually has. Um, well, let me put it this way, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm prior military. So if you give me task, condition and standard, I'll meet it. Right. When you're winging it on your own, there is no task, condition and standard. Like you don't have a plan to get you to the next part. And if you do, it's whatever you think is going to get you there without any outside help. And that's what I built this whole company on was just basically me winging it on what I feel I needed or what I felt the customer needed. Well, now I'm dealing with experts who actually know how to run business, what makes sense, how to get a company to a next level. And, you know, that, you know, once you, once your company stagnates or you get to a part to where you cannot just figure out, you know, you like, you know, you know, there's a bunch of information you don't know, you know, there's things you should be doing, but you don't know what they are at that point. That's when you got to quit winging it and try to get some help. Well, and I, I'm thinking just like in my own personal situations and I don't know, maybe, maybe in yours too, that like, I think you tend to wing the things you don't like doing yes. and the things you yes. don't know how to do. Yes. So like, it sounds like, I don't know if maybe like finance is not your favorite thing. It is not my favorite thing. <laughs> and I, that was like the, the class I hated the most in college was accounting. So I know that in my own business, that would be, and it's so important, but I know that would be the part that I would be like, Oh, I can wig it for as long as possible. But I'm sure there's other parts like the actual, um, you know, your actual product. I'm sure that you like put a lot of time and effort and planning into, like you didn't just throw a bunch of powders in a carton and hand it to someone like you, you know, you that you, I'm sure there was like a lot of strategy behind it. So I'm, I'm just thinking. I, I think as you start to like kind of dissect where you wing things more, it's probably in the areas that you're just like not as interested. It's the stuff you don't want to think yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're right. I mean, the, the things that I knew would be important were. I mean, all I really wanted to do was create the products. Right. I mean, that that was my most important thing is develop some products that I wanted to take that I know would work for guys that do special operations. And, and, you know, like when I was back doing Ranger stuff, I would have loved to have had these products to help, you know, to help me do my job and, you know, extend my, my, you know, I want to say physical prowess, but that doesn't make sense. But, uh, my endurance and things like that. So, 
you know, I put a lot of thought and effort into that part of the business. But you're right. I didn't I didn't like finances. I didn't understand them. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. so I just didn't do them. So that's probably like a good takeaway for any of us, right? Like when you go into something new, being super mindful about like, what are the things that I'm probably not going to want to do? (laughs) And those are probably the most important things to like, not wing. Right, right. Yeah. And so, you know, and now I'm not winging it. And I tell you what, I mean, also, if you if you wing stuff for too long and then you actually get this other information, it's going to be overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, it really is. There's been times that I've been going through this course where I just have to sit back for like 10 minutes because I am totally overwhelmed on what the next steps are. And because I know I'm not strong in them and I'm just like, okay, here we go. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) please, you know, please Lord, bring somebody into my life. You know, because I don't want to, you know, at, at that point, you just don't want to. Once you get to the decision that you can't wing it anymore, you don't want to wing anything at that point. Does that make sense? Like yeah. you want to surround yourself with all these professionals to help get you out of that wing it mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's transition the conversation. We've been talking a lot about, you know, how you've been running Ranger Nutrition and how you how you are going to change things moving forward. But let's talk about the the, the company, the product itself. Um, at surface level, Ranger Nutrition is another supplements company. Tell our audience, though, why it's so much more than that. Well, you know what? It, it, you know, it actually goes back to like 1998 um, when I was jumping up. Uh, I was coming out of an airplane at 1500 feet, which is like the standard combat jump. And we, we had a bunch of uh, combat equipment on us. So uh, as I came out of the aircraft, my parachute didn't open up all the way. All right. So at that moment, you have uh, if your shoe did open, you have 20 uh, you're dropping 22 feet a minute. So you have 59 seconds before you land. When your shoe's not open all the way, you're traveling at a faster rate than that. Um, But I saw what the problem was and I thought I could fix it. Well, as as I'm falling and people are yelling, pull your reserve, I'm busy. Right. I'm trying to fix this parachute. So I finally when I do get full canopy. I look down to release my equipment because that's the last thing you want to do is land with your combat equipment strapped to you. But when I reach down to pull my equipment, I hit the ground. And luckily that saved me from breaking my legs. The, the actual, the actual rucksack and the frame that did it actually compressed and took the majority of the, of the hit. But what I, you know, the bad thing is, is that was actually the beginning of you know, the disabilities that 20 years later affect my body. Um, because right after that, right after that hit, I had to strap on my rucksack and do a 12 mile road march to get to our location. But when you're an army ranger, you don't show pain. You don't show, I mean, unless, unless I would have broken something or whatever, I was going to finish that mission. And that's just how we're trained. That's what, that's how we do what we do. Fast forward 20 years. And now I have to consistently work out to keep my disabilities at bay because if I don't keep my body strong, then things start to hurt. Well, that's where the products came in. I was tired of taking products that number one, I didn't know where they were made more to the fact that I always thought they tasted terrible and they didn't do what I wanted them to do. Pre-workouts made me shaky. Protein powder tastes like chalk. So I got a couple chemist buddies and I was just complaining and they go, do you, do you want to make some stuff? And I'm like, Oh my gosh, is that an option? And they're like, yeah. So we made some things that did the, you know, the products that I did, I'm like, okay, 
I, I need these to do exactly what I want them to do. I want a pre-workout to make me shaky because when I was in Afghanistan, right, you, the last thing you want to do is take a pre-workout, be shaky, then go into a firefight and your weapon's shaking because you're shaky. You want to be able to shoot straight. So, you know, it's things like this. So I thought about what would I want right now to help me keep in shape and keep my disabilities at bay, but also what would special op guys like, right? You know, what kind of what can I do with the product to actually make that work in a field environment? Because when you think about it, who doesn't want to take a product that Army Rangers or Special Forces guys take, right? Well, if you're any kind of a you know guy that watches movies, probably everyone. So first, I want to make sure my products were made in the U.S. Uh, to me, that was very important. I wanted to make sure that five percent of all my sales goes to a military veteran organization that helps other vets in need. Um, I really focused on the taste of the products because that's kind of like, you know, the people that work out, they're like, you know, they work out on the weekends and they rely on these sports nutrition supplements to maximize the workouts. But unfortunately, a lot of them taste terrible and they're not effective. So my whole plan was to make things that actually tasted good, be unique in in one way or another with each and every product and make it to where they're actually consumable and people like them. And that's really kind of how the whole Ranger Nutrition thing came about. It came out of a need that I wanted for myself that people seemed to like, and then it just caught on. And I will say, as someone who has tried Ranger Nutrition's products, it, not, not to inflate your ego, Scott, <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't think I can go back to other protein powders after this. It's that damn good and i remember i even told you before before trying it because you were like you know mix it up with you know three quarter cup of water or whatever or you know in your protein bottle like fill it up three quarters of the way with water and i was like water no like i've always done milk with my protein shakes because i was like water just it's just so like bland gross. tasting gross <laughs> and you're like no just like just do me a favor just try it with water and so i did and i was like holy crap like <laughs> this is better than any milk Shake, you know, milk protein shake I've ever done before, and on top of that, like, it's not uh, clumpy. It's not. It's it's, it's funny because like I, I I I tried some of your samples, and then like I still have like half of a bottle of some other stuff I have to get through before I do a reorder of Ranger Nutrition stuff. And this other crap that I like, I didn't realize how bad it was <laughs> until like I had the comparison to Ranger, and I I you know a couple days later I drink the bad stuff. And I'm like coughing the whole day because there's like these granules just yeah. caught in my throat because it, it doesn't dissolve all the way in the water. And I even tried it with water. And I'm like, even in water, this other stuff isn't dissolving perfectly. And then you look at the bottle, and there's just all these traces of extra powder that didn't even get used versus when I was using uh, the Ranger stuff. Yeah, it, it you know, there, there's like no trace that you even drank anything in the bottle anymore. Yeah, I have to say too, um, uh, thank you for the, the little samples you sent to me. I tried the... Um, candy Wait, ranger no. candy yeah the ranger candy and raj had said he was like it tastes so good and i'm like all right well i guess i'll try it i teach a, a class that includes like spin and strength and i like do the spin with the class so that's it's it's like a, quite a bit of a workout and um, i was like all right i'm gonna bring this because I, I read on the little thing that like you like to take it while you're um still working out and it helps to keep you hydrated 
I do not normally like flavored drinks. Like I drink water and coffee. That's it. Like I'm not really into sweet drinks. It was so good. <laughs> and I kept being like, this is so strange. I like never really like flavored things, but it was super delicious. Um, and I, yeah, I really, I really liked it. So I'll be drinking more of that. Yeah. That's, that's one of those things that took me 14 months to get the flavor right. Wow. Well, you definitely got it right because I am, like I said, not normally a flavored liquid kind of person. And I really liked it. So you know, but, you know, I guess that's kind of the benefit of, you know, me making these products for me. Like some people are like, your pre-workout, you know, why does it only come in fruit punch flavor? I'm like, because that's the flavor I like. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like, why does your chocolate protein taste like a hot chocolate without the, you know, without the milk? Because I like hot chocolate. <laughs> Not really sure what the problem is here, you know, so... <laughs> So when it came to like a BCAA, I'm like, you know, BCAAs are, you know, basic chain amino acids, the thing that, you know, helps you extend and helps you recover from workouts. I'm like, you know, everybody, every, every company has one. So, you know, you can't make them sexy, but you can make it taste different than anybody else's. And that's where we put all the, you know, the, the, the formula for a good BCAA is already done, you know, and everybody can copy it. But the taste is one of the things that, most BCAAs are rough. I mean, they, you know, they just are. So, you know, that's just one of the things that, you know, I, I just know that if you make something taste good, people will actually get it more. Yeah. So that's, you know, when you're like, hey, Rod, you're just another supplement company, which I get it. Why would people want to do me as opposed to any other supplement company? Well, number one, you know, I'm an Army Ranger who actually made these products for which what I would like to take if I was out in the field doing it. You know, number two, I focused on the taste and the consistency of how things tasted. Number three, I give back to the to veterans. You know, and number four, I'm a disabled veteran myself. So not only, you know, do I uh, create the products, but I'm also a client. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's one of the best scenarios to be in is where you're, you're a user of your own creation. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I actually did like, I tested my products. I have a before and after photo of me where I started off with a dad bod and turned into a bodybuilder in 10 months. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. You know, yeah, I was like, not only am I the owner, but I'm a client. That's awesome. Well, I, I don't think, I, I think of you as the nutrition company now. So uh, where, where can our listeners find Ranger Nutrition and then get in touch with you? Um, well, they can go to uh, rangernutrition.com. And on their first order, uh, if they sign up for the newsletter, they'll get a code that saves them 20%. Awesome. Um, if, on the first order, which is good. And then I often send out different discounts in our newsletters. So we're rangernutrition.com. You can also uh, meet us on Facebook under Ranger Nutrition LLC and then Instagram under Ranger Nutrition. So, I mean, there's, you know, we're, we're out there socially. Uh, we're out there in the media, in the social, in the socials, you know, so <laughs> that's where we are. All right, so then to wrap up, we will go one by one giving our respective answers to today's question. We'll start with Victoria and close with Scott. Our topic question today, Victoria, is, was, how long can you wing it? Yeah, so I think for me and sort of what I'm getting out of this discussion, I think you can wing it until until you hit enough roadblocks that like you can't continually be successful and then you need to figure out how to not be winging it anymore. So like, I feel like in a lot of the discussion that we had 
we sort of talked about the fact that at the beginning, sometimes you have to wing it because you just don't know any better. But I think once you get to the point where you do know a little better and you can't keep taking your business or your project or whatever it is forward and that you're starting to get you know, enough roadblocks is when you have to kind of flip the switch. My answer for how long can you wing it, similar to that, the lens I look at it through though is um, I I think out of the gate, again, you kind of have to. And then the moment at which you can anticipate I'm going to start losing a little bit of control of what's going mm-hmm. on here. And it's not the moment you lose control. It's the moment you feel like pretty soon I, I'm going to start losing control of what's happening. That's the moment that you have to start actually being proactive instead of reactive. Scott, how long can you wing it? Until you, in, uh, until you become stagnant, until you cannot figure out the next steps to move the company forward. Awesome. Love it. Scott Hardesty of Ranger Nutrition, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. It's, it's, always, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I haven't known you for a long time, but in the time I have known you, it's always a fun interaction. Yeah. No, you guys are great people. This is actually, just so you know, this is my first podcast I've ever done. Right on. Wow. Sweet. So, you 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 know, I am I am now no longer a, a virgin in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've had your uh, – well, well, we'll end it there. We'll, we'll, we'll end the, uh, <laughs> the, the metaphor there. <laughs> But thank you guys very much. It was definitely my pleasure. It's fun group. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, sir. Bye. That wrapped up our conversation with Scott Hardesty. Scott, thank you so much for joining us. Like I said, always a lot of laughs when talking with you, but uh, definitely great to kind of unpack Ranger Nutrition and see how you're not winging it anymore. Did you, the listener, enjoy this episode? If so, the best compliment you can give us is a rating and review on iTunes. Ratings and reviews help more people find the show. Therefore, more people get to discover their inner awesome. While you're leaving that review, why don't you go ahead and subscribe to the show on whatever platform it is you listen to, whether that is iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, or the various other podcasting platforms this show is available on. For full show notes, references, and resources, as well as Scott's contact information, you can grab it all by going to our website at www.discoveryourinnerawesome.com. Our Season 7 theme song is by Sidewalk Chalk. It is called Long Time Coming, and it is off their new album, An Orchid is Born. You can scoop it on Spotify, iTunes, and wherever music is sold digitally. Cop it because it is one hell of an album. That'll do it for this one. I am so pumped to kick off Season 7 and get this puppy rolling because we've got some awesome episodes on the way for you. No pun intended. Thank you again to Scott Hardesty for joining us. Definitely take him up on his offer to get a discount on your first order of Ranger Nutrition products because, like I said, this stuff is amazing. And I'm not just saying that to put him over. It is truly the best stuff I've ever tasted in the nutritional supplement world. So thank you again to Scott for joining us. For Victoria Cohen... I am Raj Nation. You have been listening to Raj Nation Innovations Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. We will see you next time. But in the meantime, take care and be awesome today. It's been a long time coming. The tide is turning. The tide is running. We rising up. It's been a long time coming.